What's up, everybody? How's everybody doing? Woo! Awesome, awesome. Uh, man, I, I'm just going to tell y'all, I am so excited about this morning and, uh, and this sermon series that we're starting today, Overflow. And here's the thing about it. We, <clears throat> we plan series out pretty far in advance, and so I, we had this planned way before... <laughs> way before I went to Israel, way before God was going to do something crazy in my life. And so this sermon series has turned from what I intended it to be, which it's still going to be that, still going to preach the same, but it's turned into, in my heart, what I believe is going to be a culture vision series for our church. But I don't think it's just for our church. I want y'all to listen to this carefully. I think this is the vision for the church. I think this is what God designs for all of us to experience in our lives so that we don't just stay where we are, but we go out and we change the world. And it's something that in, my, in the pit of my belly, it has stirred me and it's got me all messed up. And I'm hoping that you leave the same way today because I don't think God ever intends for us to remain the same. I don't think God ever intends for us to show up and hear a word or show up and hear amazing worship, and then just be status quo. But can we be honest with ourselves? Does it not oftentimes feel like so many times in our lives that what we try to do is feel good enough to get by for the next week? Are y'all with me? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Y'all are allowed to talk. This is a good time to talk back and forth. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like, like you, you try to feel good enough. So on Sunday, you try to get a little word. You try to feel good enough. And then by Friday, you're kind of feeling empty. And some of you guys, I know this because I got some feedback from y'all, some of you guys right now, you feel empty in your life. Now, if you're a Gamecock fan, right? <laughs> Holy crud, right? You know what I'm talking about? Like, it was so bad yesterday. It was an all-time worst time for me Oh, in a long time. Like, it was bad, right? But if I get my satisfaction in life, and this is like building off of last week, if that's where I get my stuff from, and my true satisfaction or my true enjoyment, or listen, listen, or my true, or my true being filled comes from that, even if you win, it's momentary. But, but I'm just going to take, take you to a place with me right now that, again, I wasn't planning on saying this, but it, it, to me it fits so perfectly. How many of y'all have heard of the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem? Heard of the Wailing Wall? They call it the Western Wall there. They find it offensive to say Wailing Wall. So I'm going to refer to it as the Western Wall because that's what we called it. But if y'all have seen the news, you'll see the Jewish people putting their hands on it. And everybody goes to visit it, right? And they put their hands on it and you, they move around because they believe that, that you should move around while you're praying. And so they're praying and they're touching, they're moving around. And it's such an extreme religious place so far from God. And it broke my heart. And listen, I'm standing there and I'm standing on, we went on the Sabbath. And so I was standing on a wall in the city, in the old city of Jerusalem, and I'm looking down on the western wall, and I'm seeing literally hundreds of people touching the wall, putting their prayers, they write their prayers down, they put them in the little blo blocks, and I'm just like, my heart is full, because I'm like, they, they want so badly to have satisfaction, to be full, and yet they're so far from God, because they're trying so hard, it is not about trying hard, and this, this is what I said, and I was talking to a couple of my pastor buddies, and this is what I told them, isn't it sad that they're that religious about something? other than the relationship with the Lord Jesus that it should be. And in their case, it's about praying hard enough or, or writing stuff down enough or, or touching a certain wall or, or putting their hat on a certain way or having a certain hat or having a certain garb. And I was criticizing them, and then I felt from the Holy Spirit and even one of my buddies that was talking to me, hang on, bro, what about us on Saturdays? And I just joked about the Gamecocks. 
But if I'm being honest, oftentimes in my life, I'm not talking to you, but I may be to some of you, oftentimes in my life, my life is dictated good or bad by what my team does or by if I get that good news, if I get my job promotion, if I get whatever. And so everything that happens in my life, whether I am excited and full or whether I am down in the dumps and done, right? It's all based on my circumstances. And life is not based on anything but that. And here's, here's what it leads to. Because I believe we have a religious society, but I don't think God is even involved in it for the most part. And that's the difference between us and the, the Jewish people that I witnessed. I think our religion is to bow down before people and bow down before athletics and bow down before all these other things rather than before God. And rather than have a relationship with him that fills me, I am entitled, listen to this carefully, because y'all got to get this, I am entitled to certain things. I believe, you know, in the American dream, it's great, it's awesome, I think capitalism is the way it should be, but somewhere in our inalienable rights that we believe that we have as human beings, and we do, but somewhere in there, we tell God those same rights that we have, don't we? Y'all with me? We, we look at God and we say, I deserve, and if you don't do that, and that's awesome. And you're the exception, not the rule. Because can I be honest with you? On, on a regular basis, what I tell God is what I deserve. Rather than tell God how amazing he is. In looking at my life and what I really deserve, I rarely look at God and tell him how awesome he is. I look at him and tell him what I deserve. And the goal of this sermon series is to be filled with gratitude. Because I believe that is the picture of how we should live. Now listen, I want to give you the full thing. But it's not just stopping with gratitude because it's Thanksgiving and it's the Thanksgiving season and we all have our little weird uh, gourd things out, right, that are filled with the fake corn that I always tried to eat when I was a kid. Y'all know, y'all used to do that too, I hope, maybe it was just me. But like, like, it's not just about that, right? It's not just about turkey and three football games on Thanksgiving, which is awesome. Praise the Lord for that. But it's not just that, right? It's more. And this is not just a November thing or, or a November 27th thing or, or anything like that. This is forever. This is what, listen, I'm convinced this is why no one wants what we have. Because when they see me on a daily basis, what they see is that guy thinks he deserves something else. And on Sunday with his mouth, he stands in front of people and tells people that he knows Jesus. But what is overflowing from his life is not Jesus oftentimes. That is when we change the world, guys. This is why this series to me may be the most important and probably is that we've ever done. Because I'm convinced that God wants to change us. And in this community, more than anyone else will ever. But it starts when overflow is how we can describe our lives. Because God wants to fill all of us. But in order for that to happen, I've got to be empty. The only way I'm empty is if I trust the Lord, if I look at him. But entitlement tends to stand in the way. And guys, if you take away one thing this morning, I hope you'll take away this. Gratitude begins. Gratitude begins. It's the starting point when my sense of entitlement ends. Gratitude begins when my sense of entitlement ends. And so many of us, so many of us would amen this if you felt like saying or talking out loud this morning. But the truth of the matter is, we look and say, no nah, man, I'm not real comfortable with that. I, I deserve it. Guys, I believe there's people in here that are going to walk out of here and you're going to be different. And I hope you get messed up like I do because I want you to join the crazy party. I want people to look at us and say, man, those people are nuts. 
because they said that about the early Christians in Acts chapter 2. What a compliment. They said, I think those guys are drunk. And Peter was like, dude, it's only 9 in the morning, right? You don't get drunk till 5 p.m. apparently. I guess that's what he was saying. So like, they must be crazy. They must be crazy. Yes, we are. When it comes to the Lord Jesus, we are. That's what we desire. And so I'm going to go to a familiar passage with you guys this morning. And it's not one that you would think of when it comes to like being overflowed. Matter of fact, most of the time when you read Psalm 23, where is it at? Y'all say it out loud. Where do y'all hear Psalm 23 a lot? Funerals, right? I heard like 30 people mumble it. So that's close. Y'all are getting better. That's close. But almost every funeral I've had a part of or I've been to recently at the graveside, typically they open Psalm 23 and they read it. And while it's perfectly acceptable there, there's so much more to it. There's so much more to it. And I think it puts to bed our sense of entitlement when we look at it like we're supposed to. So y'all read it with me. As I read this out loud, y'all read this uh, with me. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Now, we're only going to do that today. Three verses. Then next week and the week after and the week after, we're going to do the next three verses. And I'm just going to show you how it breaks down and how beautiful of a passage this really is because it is so much more than we ever thought. But let's start with the first verse. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. If y'all remember, if y'all remember not the past sermon series, but the one before, when we were ending the sermon series, we said what the Lord in this case actually means, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord is my provider. This should literally translate Jehovah Jireh is my shepherd. I will not want for anything. There's absolutely nothing in this word I want for. Why? Because he provides for me. So start here. Start here. The reason that I'm entitled is because I believe that he does provide for me even. Some of you do. But, but even if I do believe he provides for me, I believe I deserve what he gives me. And I don't look to him to provide for me when I don't have what I don't have. I look to him and say, why haven't you? Rather than I trust you and you will. And so the first thing that I see when I read Psalm 23 is the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want for anything. I'm not going to want for anything. That is amazing. And we read it and we skip over it because it's like a little storybook that we think I put Haston right in a little, little shepherd suit and it's, we watch the peanuts at Thanksgiving time. Y'all, we all, I hope y'all do this because you should watch Charlie Brown. It's awesome. But like, like we watch that and we think Linus has this little shepherd thing, right? And that's, that's what all it is. And the shepherd's cute. No, it's not cute. It's amazing. It's amazing. And this is why. This is why. This verse is a game changer to me. Verse 2. It's a game changer. It says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Now listen, this is what the green pasture did. The green pasture, I always thought, was just a pretty place like this where you could just lay down. And, and this is a much like the landscape looks like in, in Israel, by the way. And so their green pastures are a little bit different than ours. We have big grass fields. They have plateaus that have grass on them. A lot of the places where the shepherds are, even today, by the way, um, they live much differently than anybody else in the country, and they're still herdsmen that live out there today. And so if a sheep was wandering, this is what I didn't know. A sheep will not lie down to sleep until their bellies are full. Did y'all know that? A sheep will not go to sleep until they have full bellies. Now, Leah would say that's much like I am, right? She ha she's on the Snickers commercial. You're not you when you're, you're, not you when you're hungry. Y'all seen them, right? 
That's the first amen I've gotten in like three weeks because Leah had to amen that. But it's true, right? I, I, I'm not really happy. Any man in here knows what I'm talking about, so y'all should be talking right now. Like, we're not us when we're hungry. We're upset. And, and the reason we're upset is because we can't fully function. We can't grow like we want to. We can't. We, we're just not satisfied. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want for anything. He makes me lie down in green pasture. The reason he makes me lie down there and not somewhere where I'm wandering around is because he knows me. Guys, I'm the sheep, and he's the shepherd, and he knows his sheep, and he knows what you need. I won't want for anything, but so many times I don't trust him because I say, God, it's not in my time. It's not fast enough, and not only does he take me to a place like this that's green pasture, but he does it so that I can be full, and I can lay down with him, and I can know him. Guys, I'll never find rest. I need you to get this. I need you to get this. So many people are exhausted today, and you may have gotten nine hours sleep last night, but because it's your soul is what's exhausted. You're running, running, running. And we're so entitled, and we don't understand what's going on. Why am I exhausted? I don't get this. I'm doing everything that I think is right, God. You see how hard I'm working. I'm working for you, God. What is the deal? And we don't take time to listen and stop and rest. And like I've heard people say, listen, Sunday's the new Sabbath day. Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. I find my Sabbath rest in Him. If I don't rest in the Lord, I don't care if you get 20 hours sleep a day. You'll never be satisfied with rest. If I don't eat from Him, I'll never be satisfied. John chapter 6, after He had fed the 5,000, He says, I'm the bread of life. You guys can eat all this other bread that I just made, but I'm the one that satisfies. Eat of this bread, and you'll always be satisfied. That is paraphrased like crazy, but that's what he was saying. I'm the bread of life is what he said. He provides for my needs. I won't want for anything. He makes me lie down in a green pasture, not so that it's a pretty place to put my head, but so I'm fully satisfied, so I'm rested. And then this is crazy. He leads me beside the still waters. He leads me beside the still waters. Now, here's the significance of the still waters. The still waters were not just this, isn't this lamb nice? You just want to pet him, right? Hey, what do you think his name is? Y'all call it out. Lambie. Sh- thank you, that's better. All right, but Lambie, we'll go with Lambie for this guy, right? They look nice and like you can pet them. I didn't know this about sheep, by the way. If the water's moving fast, did y'all know this? If, if it's like a river, they won't drink from it. Sheep are kind of weird. Animals a little bit, but if we're being honest with ourselves, we're kind of weird animals. You know, y'all know what I'm talking about. So, I mean, I don't know that I've ever stuck my face in moving streams, but I think this looks better, right, to drink from. And the shepherd knows that. Is that not weird? That the shepherd would know that the, his sheep won't, won't drink water from a fast-moving river or even a fast-moving stream or even anything that's moving at all. They won't get down and drink from it. So he purposefully, and most likely, this was done by a shepherd. He purposefully makes something that slows it down to make this a trickle so that I can drink beside a still water, so that my soul is restored, so that I am full, so that I am satisfied. The only way that I do this is if I'm following the shepherd, listening to the shepherd. But, but in this case, these sheep, Jesus said in John chapter 4 and John chapter 7, I'm the living water. He said in John 7, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. 
Because out of me flows living water. And he told the Samaritan woman in John 4, listen, I'm the living water. If you go down in that well in Jacob's well, you can get drink for one day. If you even go to this brook, you can drink for one day. But if you come to me, I will give you what you need forever. Guys, guys, this is why I don't think we change the world. Listen, because we listen to this and we amen the preacher. Yes, I want the bread from Jesus. I want the water. I want him. I want the Lord to be what satisfies me. We walk out and he's never what satisfies us, right? He's never really what satisfies us. We hear no right here, right? We know that God is what satisfies us, but we walk away and we say, ah, I want to get satisfied by the Gamecocks. And then we're disappointed or we're excited because they have a good season or it doesn't matter, right? Because ultimately, if they were 9-0 or Clemson's 9-0 or whoever your team is or Burns or Woodruff or Dorman or whoever, it doesn't matter, right? Ultimately, right after that championship game, you feel empty. Ultimately, right after you get your raise and right after you get your promotion, you realize what they're asking you to do and you wish you had your old job back. And we feel empty because we just think the next thing's going to get there. And the thing that's going to change the world is the culture changing in me because I realize that I need the Lord. I realize that I need the Lord. Verse 3, he leads me down. He leads me on a path of righteousness for his namesake he has restored my soul because of what he's given me both food and water and rest he looks at me he loves me I won't want for anything and then he leads me on the path and I want to take you to John chapter 10 because it perfectly describes this first part perfectly describes this first part and what it looks like and I just think it's such a beautiful parallel passage because this is Jesus talking and this is Jesus describing himself as the shepherd, and I just want you to look at what this says. It says, to him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name. Can I just ask you a question? <clears throat> when Jesus is the shepherd, and he calls his own sheep by name, can he call you by name? Like, because the only sheep that he can call by name are the sheep that are his own. The only sheep that he knows are the sheep that have entrusted themselves as making him Lord and themselves not and realizing that we're sheep. We need someone to, to carry us. For his name's sake, he leads me down a path of righteousness. I want to be on that path, but I realize this. If I try to do the path of righteousness, if you want that word in layman's terms, if I want to try to walk down a path that's good things, right, doing good things, not screwing up, not messing up, I'm tired of doing the same thing over and over. If none of y'all feel that way, I'm preaching to the wrong crowd, right? You... I'm so tired of doing the same thing while I'm not being led on the path of righteousness for his name's sake. I'm doing it so that I can say that I'm not screwing up anymore. So many times I mess up doing the same thing over and over. And I'm like, why? And I do it out of my own merit. Am I saying we're not going to mess up? Of course not. You're going to mess up every day. You're human. But the way that I continue to get better is not trying to be better. But watching him, letting him feel me, and then knowing his voice and him knowing mine. So many people, this is what I'm convinced the problem is. The church is the biggest mission field in the country today. We are not disciples, so how are we going to go make disciples, right? We are not renewed, so how are we going to go renew others? How are we going to go give them the hope of glory that is inside of us if it's not inside of us today? I'm convinced that we have to revive for them to see and want what we have, but if we don't know the shepherd, we're just lost sheep. 
right? And I'm convinced that's the deal. He says, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name. He says, Mark, I've got you, buddy. I love you. It's not what you do that makes you awesome. You're still a sheep, bro. (laughs) But it's because you're mine, and you're my son, and you're my daughter. And he leads them out on the path of righteousness for his name's sake. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them. Now listen to this because this is awesome. The Lord goes before you. No matter where you are, if you are his, listen, if you are his, he is going before you right now. He goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. Now, I need you to to sit on this verse for a minute. Because to me, this is the key. This is why it's the starting point of the culture change that I believe God's going to do in our church that's going to change everything. But this is the deal. This is the deal. You have to ask yourself right now, and I want you to continue to think about entitlement is the reason that I'm not grateful, meaning the reason that I'm not spilling over with gratitude. And why when people look at me, I'm not sure they look and say, I want what that dude has. I'll take two of whatever he's got because I need some of that Jesus. That's awesome. I think it's because of this. The sheep follow him for they know his voice. Now listen, y'all get this. This is, a, this is so cool. Sheep's biggest defense mechanism are their ears. They hear high-pitched sounds, right? They hear all this stuff. They are almost blind. We're going to talk about that in two weeks. They're almost blind. They can't see anything, and they're scared to death. When it comes to being dark and they can't hear, they're spooked very easily, and so the shepherd has to do extra things to protect them. But when they hear something, their senses are heightened completely. And oftentimes, this is what happens to sheep. Guys, I want you to think about you right now when I'm saying this. Oftentimes, they'll hear one little thing, whether it's a high-pitched noise, whether it's an animal's howl, whatever it is, and they sprint off and they run and hide. The protection that they need is right in front of them. They should be listening for the shepherd's voice. And instead, instead, they listen for the danger. They listen for all the wrong things, and they run and hide. Now, how many of us, how many of us, if we're being honest, does that, does that sound like? Y'all know what I'm talking about? So many times in our lives we leave, maybe it's a service that you just feel full from, or maybe it's something you listen to on the radio, or maybe, maybe you just got a card in the mail that was so encouraging and you feel full and you're ready to go and you're praying and you're, you're doing your quiet time, right? I'm, God, I'm doing this stuff. What, what's the deal? And then we hear one thing. Listen, one thing happens. One thing happens to your family. One thing happens to your life. It's your boss again. I don't know what to do. It's your health, right? It's my health. I I just can't ever get healthy. One of my loved ones gets sick. Something happens and it comes crashing down. And I begin to hear everything else and forget to listen to the shepherd. He's not even in existence at the point that I stray away and I'm lost and I'm wandering. He's not even in existence. And if any of you cannot not understand what I'm talking about, I don't think you're human. I really don't. I don't think you can be a human being and not understand what it's like to have your senses heightened. And listen, don't we do this? Not only do we hear the wrong thing, but then we start repeating that wrong thing to ourselves over and over. Mark, you're really not. You're really not good enough, dude. You're really not good enough. You'll never pastor a great church. You'll never lead these people like you should. You'll never change the world. God really doesn't want to do it through you. And 
I begin repeating it to myself over and over because my senses are so heightened by what I believe I heard in the voice of one person, one person, one thing, one small step, one tiny thing in my life from someone that is intending to hurt me or something that is intending to hurt me gets me so far off course that I begin to wander and I lose my way completely. And I'm like, God, I never intended to be here, but I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. I don't. And we don't even consider the shepherd's voice anymore because we begin to listen to all the other voices in our lives, don't we? Don't we? We begin to listen to everybody else's voice. They say you're not good enough. They say you're not smart enough. They say you're not tall enough. They say you're not, you're not quite as beautiful as her. So there's no way. All the while forgetting that the shepherd knows you and he loves you. Here's the crazy thing about our shepherd. He made you just like he wanted to. Genesis 1.27 in his image. In God's own image, you were created, and he's never made a mistake. And yet what I do is I consider the voice of the enemy and whoever else is out there, and I'm not even considering the voice of the one who saved me, the one who wants to help me. And the reason that I am not full, listen, listen, an overflowing in my life is because I consider everybody else's word more important than his. I don't even listen for the shepherd's voice. Don't even listen. And it breaks my heart. Because... My opportunity to change the world is right in front of me, and yet entitlement creeps in because I believe I'm owed what everyone else is rather than listening for him and saying, God, wherever you lead, I'll go. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do. I just want to follow you, whatever you say. But one little thing sets me off, and I'm gone. The Lord is my shepherd. I won't want for anything he gives me a place to lie down and be full. He gives me still water so I can drink. He restores my soul. He leads me on the path of righteousness for his name's sake. And yet one thing in all of those things, taking them in one thing throws me off. And I don't even consider those things anymore because I'm entitled to what I'm entitled to. And I get thrown off. And guys, I'm just telling you this morning, if you've forgotten what the voice of the shepherd is like, you're lost. Here's one of my favorite things about being lost, though, and I don't like it, and y'all have all probably been lost like I have before, but John chapter 15 is such a beautiful, I'm sorry, Luke chapter 15 is such a beautiful passage, and I'm not going to read it, but I want y'all to look it up this week and consider yourselves when you read the 99 sheep were found, and they knew, the shepherd knew where they were, but for one lost sheep, y'all say it out loud, what happened? What did the shepherd do? Say it out loud, what did he do? What did the shepherd do for one lost sheep? He went out to get him, right? He left. He left the flock. And he went to find the one. Guys, some of you, that's you today. That's you. You've listened. Your senses have been heightened so much that you've heard the enemy and you've heard the wrong voice. And this is what has to happen. One of Leah's biggest pet peeves, and that she's got plenty of them <laughs> because she lives with me. One of her biggest pet peeves is... Um, she calls me the Haston Whisperer, right? That's my nickname. Y'all have seen the Horse Whisperer. I'm the Haston Whisperer. So our two-year-old, like all the people that work with our, uh, with our toddlers, they like pray over me and Leah every week because they're like, bless your heart. And uh, Lisa was putting up a gate just now, and she's like, I got to put it up really tight because Haston will knock it over. And I was like, you're welcome. That's awesome, right? So that's what we have. That's what we deal with. He's really cool. He's a great kid. But sometimes he's got a little bit of his dad's will in him, and he doesn't listen to anything. A couple weeks ago, I was on the, on the way home from, um, from Powdersville. I was preaching for a buddy of mine on a Wednesday night. 
And I was on the way home, and I called Leah and said, how's it going? And I hear weeping and gnashing of teeth. I'm talking about like, Rah! and I'm like, what the crud is that? You know, all right? I mean, what you do? Right? So I blamed her. That was an awesome husband. But I was like, what, what happened? Like, what's the deal? And she's like, I don't know. Haston won't stink it shut up, and I, I'm getting nuts. And I said, this is the truth. Leah will testify. I said, all right, just put, put, put me on speakerphone. I'm serious. This happened. She puts it on speakerphone. She holds it up, and I said, buddy this soft. I'm serious. It's okay. Daddy's on his way home and I'm going to come tuck you in. I need you to calm down and I want you to get in bed and let daddy come give you kisses and put you in bed. And what happened? He calms right down. And Leah goes, <laughs> that is ridiculous that that happened. Right? And, and listen, if he's going nuts and he does go nuts, like, she just hands him to me and says, do something. And I, this is what I do. I'm telling y'all. And I'm not a really good dad because I don't know why this works, and I think I just tried it or I saw it on a show or something. But I, I just grab him, and I hold him tight, and I don't hurt him. I just hold him tight, and I just whisper. I'm serious. It's okay, buddy. Daddy loves you. It's going to be okay. Daddy's got you. And that's what I do every time. Every freaking time, that's what I say to him. It's crazy. And almost every time, almost every time, calms down. And she's like, it's unbelievable. I whisper to him, and he don't even listen. <laughs> and you whisper to him, and it's like magic. You're the hasting whisperer. Here's why I think that is. It's not because I'm awesome, and you can fill in the blanks if you want to. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> but it really isn't. I mean, that's ridiculous that a whispering from a daddy that mommy's doing everything she can. Listen, anytime he needs something, he's a mama's boy. It's just when he's hurt that he wants daddy. But he knows the voice of his father. And it's something about the comfort that I give him that he doesn't otherwise have that, that changes the game for him. When he is hurting, when he's scared, when I walk into his room and he's crying, this is so funny, when I walk into his room and he's crying, he goes, Daddy, it's really dark outside. I'm afraid. And I hug him and say, Daddy's not going to let any of those bad guys get you because Daddy's bigger than the boogeyman. He believes it. If he believes that I'm bigger than the boogeyman, or he listens to my whisper, how much more should we listen to our Heavenly Father's whisper who provides us a place to lay our head and food and water that is much better than the next meal that you're about to leave and go eat, but it is the restoring of your soul. How much more should we follow him when he offers us a way to follow him and change the game for us? Guys, entitlement ends at the point that I put my trust in the Lord Jesus and then I walk with him every day. But if my sense of entitlement is still what leads in my life and I feel like I deserve it and I tell God what I deserve, guys, listen, we'll never change. You can't change what you're not willing to confront and in your life we have to confront ourselves and our relationship with the shepherd, our father, God who through the Lord Jesus sent him to honor himself and to pay the price for our sins. He took on death in sin. So listen, this is so crazy. So we could have life. Are you kidding me? So that you could have freedom. Someone that doesn't deserve it. He looks down on us and says, you're my son, you're my daughter, and this is the life that I'm freely giving you. If you'll follow me, it's free. Just follow me. But this is what the free gift actually costs. I'm no longer in charge. I'm no longer entitled to 
anything. Does that mean I won't have success? No. Does that mean I won't have fun? No. It just means that the game has changed in my life because what, listen, what my desire is today, and it burns from my toes to the top of my head, is for God to do something in here so it spills over. And then for His name's sake, I am righteous, not because of what I do, but because of who He is inside of me. So that when they, when you, and when anyone else looks at me, they'll say, I want something what He's got. The way that our culture changes is not by trying harder. It's not by doing more, more stuff. If we just have a wanna, if we just had Bible school, if we just had like a singing time that we just, no. All those are great. It's Jesus. It's when they look at us and say, I need what you have. And then we overwhelm them with what we do have. That's when the culture changes. Because listen to me, we can boycott anyone we want. And that's never helped anything. Boycotting someone because we disagree with them has never helped anything. At the point that we look at them and say, you know what? We may disagree, but I love you. And I want to show you what the Father's love has done in me. And this is why the hope of glory can help you where you are. You're hopeless. You're dark. You're cold. You're alone. You're empty. I am overflowing with the love of the Lord Jesus and I can give it to you. And it is the end goal for every person that has followed Jesus. It's the only thing. Honoring God and sharing it with others is the end goal of what we must be wherever you live, work, or play. And at the point that it is, at the point that it is, it changes everything. And guys, what I'm asking you today is let's be an army because we're never going to be the same. Let's be an army where every single time we have a conversation with someone, they say, I want what he's got. I want what she's got. Because the hope that God did on the cross and then rose from the dead, he sent back in the form of his Holy Spirit and it dwells inside of you if you are a follower of Jesus Christ. And it is much better than anything else anyone's ever had. No one's ever had it better than Mark. And it's not because of my position. It's not because of my height or my weight or my looks or anything else other than the Holy Spirit that is inside of me. No one's ever hit it better than me. And I want everyone else to experience what God has done in my life. And every one of you are equally capable of the same thing because none of us are better. We all are sheep that have been found by the shepherd. But guys, here's the deal. Gratitude begins. Gratitude begins when my sense of entitlement ends we must know the voice of the shepherd. Gratitude ends when my sense of entitlement, gratitude begins when my sense of entitlement ends. I've got to know the voice of the shepherd. I've got to know the voice of the shepherd. The only way that I can have a life that is overflowing, and this is the baseline, the only way that I can be full and spilling over and people want what I've got is if the shepherd's voice is so close to me that I hear it, and instead of running for that high-pitched noise, I just cling on him and say, Daddy, I know you know the way. I trust you, Daddy. It's okay. It's dark out there. It's scary. But I trust you. And guys, here's the invitation. How many of you can describe your life like that? Where you know so well the Lord Jesus, that he is tenderly close to you and you hear his voice. Because if he is far from you, or you've never actually talked to him. Knowing all about him here will lead you to a life that is miserable like my friend O'Fair that I talked about last week who knows him much better than I do here 
but has never experienced the touch right here. I don't care how much money you have, what color you are, or where you're from. The only hope that you'll ever truly have is the hope of glory that touches your soul when you trust the Lord Jesus as Savior. And I'm asking right now, if you are a Christian, there's no excuse, and I'm calling you to arms. We're going to battle. <laughs> and this isn't a battle where we're trying to kill, it's a battle where we're trying to heal and save and love the wounded. They're out there, and we're the guys that are going to get the wounded warriors and put them on our back and tell them the hope that we have and get them right and then go back out and get more and go back out and get more and go back out and get more. So either you are lost or you are called to arms. And guys, there's hope this morning and this is the hope. Look right here. This is the hope. The hope we have is in Jesus. And I'm asking every single one of you to not leave here the same that you came in. Will you bow with me? How many of you guys, just being honest, and this is quick, how many of you guys would say, Pastor Mark, the truth is, I don't have that hope that you're talking about. I'm not full. I'm not rested. I don't feel full of life because I've never, I've never given the Lord Jesus everything in my life. That's just the truth. I've never given him all. I've never said, Lord, I'm a sinner. You've come for me. I don't get it, but you found me. And I trust you as Savior. I want freedom in Jesus Christ. I want to be saved. If you know that you've never truly given your heart and life to Jesus Christ, I want you to just throw your hand up as high as you can right now and say, dude, that's me. Pastor Mark, that's me as high as you can. Who else? Thank you. Throw your hand up. Keep it up. Keep it up. Throw your hand up as high as you can. You say, Pastor Mark, that's me. Anybody else? I need you to put your hand up right now if that's you and say, Pastor Mark, that's me. That's me right now. I know the truth is, man, I've, I've been through the motions, but I've never had him come in and touch me and change my life. A couple more seconds. That's me. I just want Jesus to come inside of me and change my life because I do not have freedom. I do not have hope, and I am empty. I want to be filled by the Lord's Spirit. Just throw your hand up right now and say, that's me. Guys, what about, keep your heads bowed and eyes closed, what about for every other person in this room? I just want you to consider this while I'm talking with your heads bowed. If someone looks at you, Christian, do they want what you have? Or is the only thing that they would describe you with a person that goes to church but just some old dude, just some old lady, that goes through the motions. I'm not satisfied being some old man anymore. I'm not the old man, I am new in Christ and I want him to be what is seen in me by my children, by my wife, by my neighbors, by my coworkers, by everyone that sees me at the park, by everyone that sees me at the movies, by everything that I do and say. It is not about doing right and wrong that changes me but what the shepherd's voice is in me following him me trusting him and le being led by him I want to be saved I want to be changed because I want everybody to see it so this is just honesty this is what I need y'all to do Pastor Mark the truth is if my neighbors co-workers friends teammates whatever you are if they were to say I want what he's got and the only way they would get saved is by watching me and doing what I do the truth is I'm not there man but I want a part of this army I want to change the world and I believe God does it one person at a time through me by my life being transformed and then going out and finding others. So Pastor Mark, sign me up. I'm a part of this team. I'm a part of this army. I'm coming to the call to arms. If that's you, listen, just throw your hands up wherever you are and say, the truth is I want to change. I want to be like Jesus. I want to be part of the call to arms. Thank you. Thank you. I see hands everywhere. God, every person in this room, God, I believe will never be the same 
once we experience you and you wake us up. So God, today, through our worship and through everything that we do, it's a call to say we love you. We're honored that for no reason that we can explain that you love us, you provide for us, you are our shepherd, and we are wandering sheep, and you pull us in, you protect us, you keep us. God, I pray that we'll be like my crazy son who listens for the voice of his daddy, and whenever difficulties come around, we will listen for your voice and not forget what you sound like. God, we know you and you know us when you truly are the Lord of our lives. And I pray that that is the definition of who Four Points Church is. And as a result, people want what we have. And we go get them to save them, not get them to tell them they're awful. God, we're no one, no one will ever be farther from you than I was. And that's why I'm grateful today. Lord, we love you and we stand now to worship you with our voices because you're worthy of all of our praise. In Jesus' name, amen.